Jamie joined here three years ago and has been on staff and is now going to enter the real world of uh, non-church non work. Um, but we're in this little series called Summer Songs, looking at the songs, because the Psalms are a songbook. Uh, and I thought, who better than uh, our worship leader up until recently uh, to kind of just bring to us something of the heart of worship that we find uh, in the Psalms. So in King's Church, as you know, the pastors, the elders do the majority of the teaching, uh, but we love from time to time to welcome other leaders, and we'll talk more about that uh, next term. Uh, but to come and bring their gifting and to open up the scriptures for us. So, Jamie, I'm really pleased that you're coming to preach to us. And I want to I commend Jamie to you. And uh, why don't you give him a good old round of applause. Amazing. Thank you very much. It's great to have a, a preach debut here at King's Church, especially on an evening service, which is good because I've not got years of preaching behind me to accidentally say this morning. Um, but if, if you do catch me, make a little note, and if I get to five, maybe someone shout bingo or something like that, and we can start again. Um, but I want to ask a question of you this evening, and that is this. What do you want your life to be remembered for? Francis Chan, who is a church pastor and author, said this, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at, life in thing, succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. And Mother Teresa said, at the end of life, we will not be judged by how many diplomas we have received, how much money we've made, or how many great things we have done. What do you want your life to be remembered for? I'm so excited to be speaking tonight, um, and I really believe that God has been uh, speaking to us through the different contributions, and he will continue to speak to us. Um, and I just want to say thank you to Philip and the elders for the opportunity. Um, I know that I've been so blessed preparing for this message. I've discovered such deep richness in God's word. Um, so a big thank you to Philip, um, particularly who's been great at, at guiding me and leading me and um, helping me shape this preach. And my prayer is that even if you just take home a snippet of what I say tonight, that you'd be blessed so much by God's word and, and it might become more real and more true and more breathtaking and that you'd encounter God this evening. Amen? Amen. So, as Philip said, I've had the privilege of being on staff at King's uh, for about three years, almost to the day, in fact. Last Friday um, was three years to the day um, of my first night in Kingston and it's absolutely flown. And of course, many of you will know me as the worship leader, um, or as when I go into King's Kids, they say, hey, it's guitar guy. Um, it's like, I'll, I'll take that, I'll take that. Um, I'm still young, I've got a lot to learn, but um, my journey so far has been, been so full of joy um, in being involved in leading worship um, for about 15 years. Um, I want to tell you uh, kind of the story of how I got involved, and I think one of my biggest inspirations when it comes to all things worship is actually my dad, who is in the uh, little fan group on the second row. Um, so I got involved in worship from a very young age, probably about uh, eight or nine. Um, I started drumming when I was seven, and when I was about eight or nine, um, my dad used to lead the worship team at our home church, um, so we would get up early on a Sunday morning, I'd pack my drum kit up into the back of the car, he'd grab his guitar, and we'd sit up in the, the room that kids was, um, um, and Dad would lead, and I would play drums uh, very eagerly, probably mildly out of time. Um, but it was just a wonderful time of, of, of getting to use my gifts to, to worship and to help my friends worship God as well. Um, and that really sparked something in me that made me fall in love with worship. 
From then, I went on to lead uh, in youth bands and, and drum and youth bands and um, just fell more and more in love with worship and wanted to give all that I could give and serve in any way that I could. Um, learned all kinds of instruments. Um, started leading worship when I was about 16, but it wasn't until I got here that I started leading regularly. Um, but it has been, as I said, such a wonderful, joyous journey. Um, and I've recently handed over to Ellen, which has been uh, a wonderful next step for me um, and a wonderful step for Ellen. Um, I really do want to thank you, Ellen, not just for leading tonight, um, but for taking on the team, stepping up. Um, God's hand is really on you. Um, you're a wonderfully, wonderful, godly woman. You're gifted. Um, and church, I want to commend Ellen to you um, that she is already doing and will do more and more amazing things to lead us on in worship. So I absolutely love that we preach through the Psalms each summer. This is our fourth year, I think, that we've done it, um, and we just take some time over the summer to slow down, to rest, and let these wonderful verses refresh us and excite us again about God. And for those of you new to church, maybe new to the Psalms, um, they're a book of the Bible right in the middle, um, and they're a collection of 150 songs, poems, and prayers, and I think they're my favorite book in the Bible. For those of uh, you who don't know, they're gritty, um, they're heartfelt expressions, expressions of pain and sadness, victory and praise, doubts, questions and faith. So often I use the Psalms to reflect how I'm feeling and it's so comforting to know that it's okay to struggle and doubt, but it's even better to praise God through those things. When I sat down to pray about what psalm to speak from today, I felt God draw me straight to the last five books of the uh, last five psalms of the entire book. And if you've ever read the whole of the book of Psalms, you see this wonderful sweep of um, this wonderful story of lament and praise. It's about a people striving to be faithful to God whilst waiting for the Messiah. It's about faith and hope. And the book ends with these five joyous psalms, this conclusion of, of praise that shows us God points us to Jesus and helps us to live a lifetime of praise. Each of these five psalms begins and ends with praise God, the Hebrew word hallelujah. It's made up of two words, hallel and yah, which is short for Yahweh. Hallel means praise, so it's praise Yahweh, praise God. Um, they're also known as the final hallel, the final praise. And the book of Psalms also reflects our story. If you're here as a Christian tonight, you are headed towards a beautiful eternity of praising and worshiping God, our creator and our savior. And if you're not a Christian here tonight, perhaps you're new to church, perhaps you're exploring, maybe you don't know why you're here, but you are so welcome and you are so loved and I really hope that these Psalms might just give you a glimpse of the awesome God that we know and that we worship. So my aim this evening is to use these Psalms to inspire our worship. Five Psalms, 146 to 150, the final Hallel. And just for the sake of time this evening, I'm not going to read the whole of all five of them, but I really would encourage you this week, take some time, read through Psalms 146 to 150, speak them, sing them, draw them, get created with them, and God will reveal so much of himself to you through them, and I promise it will help you to worship. Praise the Lord as long as I live. That's great. That's good. That's Okay. Still going. He could just take over, couldn't he? <laughs> it's all right, don't worry. There's, uh, there's no life groups this week, um, but why not on Tuesday evening, perhaps, sit down with your Bible, have a look at these five Psalms, read them through, and just let God speak to you through them. They really are really beautiful. 
Uh, as Philip spoke two weeks ago, he, he kicked off this mini-series, um, talking from Psalm 98, and he was talking about our eternal, our ultimate purpose. And he said that's to reflect God's glory and to declare God's praise. He was quoting Matt Redman, who talks about breathing in and breathing out in worship. Simon Brading, who is a good friend of mine and leads the worship team down at Emmanuel Church in Brighton, he uses the term revelation and response. So what revelation do we get of God in these Psalms? Well, we see a God who is holy, a God who's above the whole of creation, and we see a God who deeply cares for us. We see a God who is completely worthy of our praise. So let's jump in. We'll be, we'll be moving around a little bit this evening, um, but as I said, do take time to read them for yourselves, perhaps in the week. So we're going to start in Psalm 148. Feel free to turn there, but the verses will come up on the screen. And Psalm 148 paints this breathtaking picture of the scope of praise that God is worthy of. Let's read it together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him and all his angels. Praise him all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord forever, for he commanded and they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. So we see this beautiful ensemble of angels and earth, creatures and man. There is no hint whatsoever of a boring worship program. We see this universal chorus, praise from the heavens, praise from the earth. It puts everything in its place under our creator God. There's no room for idols. We cannot replace the object of our worship. And some alone could be a whole sermon series and I feel like I can't do it justice this evening, but there's such beauty in the writing it perfectly mirrors God's creation of his universe. Angels and heavenly hosts, sun, moon, planets, stars and sky, oceans, sea creatures, fire, hail, snow, mist, stormy wind, mountains, hills, trees, beasts, bugs, birds. I don't know about you, but it's about now that Psalm 8 comes into my mind. What is man that you are mindful of him? I've called this sermon a lifetime of praise. And I wonder if that's something that came into your mind earlier when I asked you that question. Is that something you want your life to be remembered for? Well, tonight, I want to show you why God is worthy of a lifetime of praise and how Jesus empowers us to live one. 
The Psalms reflect our journey, our story, and the sweep of lament and praise, ending with these joyous songs of praise. And as Christians, we too look forward to an eternity praising our Creator. Knowing how we fit into this picture is really crucial. A true revelation of God isn't an important thing, it's, it's everything, it completely shapes our worship. And God isn't just calling us to worship this evening or on Sundays, but to a lifetime of praise to his name. When we worship, we're part of something so much bigger than ourselves, as this psalm um, we've just read says. Worshiping God can't just be something between me and God, because we see something so much bigger. The whole of creation is called to worship. God is worthy of it all. I love it when the Bible speaks directly into my current situation. But these psalms that we're looking at this evening, they, they're written to direct our eyes upwards. The psalm isn't a hopeful wish. It's not a, a, the psalmist dreaming of what might be one day because we see it fulfilled in scripture. Revelation 5, 11 to 13 says, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. From the angels of God to the godless of man, everything comes under the rule and reign of God. And when we think, who am I? That God would think of me. Who am I? Well, the psalm gives us our answer. Verse 11 kings of all the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above heaven and earth. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. I came across a nice um, commentary on this, this psalm um, from a theologian called Thomas Horn, and he puts it like this. After the whole of creation has been called upon to praise God, man, from who, for whom the whole was made, man, the last and more perfect work of God, man that has since been redeemed by the blood of the Son of God incarnate, is exhorted to join up and fill the universal chorus of heaven and earth. So before we go anywhere else this evening, I want to make it really clear that God is completely worthy of all of our praise. He has been, he is, and he always will be. Before he did anything, he was worthy. We worship him because of who he is. And if we don't praise, well, we see it in Psalm 148. Creation is crying out. But the, the beauty and the majesty of God is that he knows us so well. He cares for us so much. And when we see how much, when we see where we fit into the picture, I can't help but be inspired to worship. And I really hope this evening that you might be too.
Let's turn to Psalm 147. Verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars. He gives them to all. He gives to all of them their names. So in the same breath, we see uh, a God above creation and a God who willingly comes down to our level. He deeply cares. And he's the same God, flinging stars into space, writing their names. Yet he humbles himself. He holds us tight. He heals our brokenness. He binds our hurts and our pains. He's so patient with us. He's so kind. There's, no, there's never any anger or frustration. Just love. A love that says, it's okay. Don't worry. God puts us on our feet and says, let's go again. God is so, so worthy because he cares about us. Enough to send Jesus to be broken on our behalf. We'll continue on in, in Psalm 147, verse 8. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. Verse 12 says, Praise the Lord, for he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace within your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. Again, we see God commanding nature, controlling the weather, yet perfectly able to provide us with every blessing we need. Security, family, peace, and food. Praise God. He is good. We can put our trust in the Lord's victories, just as the psalmist does in 146. It won't be on the screen, but the Lord, the phrase the Lord is repeated six times. It's clearly God who is supposed to be dealing with these things. And he will and has done. Verse 7 of 146. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. God is so worthy because he's victorious. And praise is our response. We don't sing like we've been doing this evening because God excuses our sins. But we sing because he's freed us from them. We have the ultimate reason to sing. Psalm 149 says, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. That's what we're doing this evening. We're singing together, the assembly of the godly. God's people celebrate in his victory. Now, the uh, eagle-eyed Bible scholars among you may have noticed that Psalm 149 starts with the same line as Philip preached on two weeks ago, um, which was Psalm 98. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. It's something we hear a lot. Sing to the Lord a new song. We use it quite a lot in our style of churches as well, um, often in worship. Um, perhaps when we're singing out together, not in unison, the worship leader might say, sing, sing a new song to the Lord, sing your own song. Um, but its original meaning is really rather beautiful. So it was the tradition uh, in the ancient uh, world um, in the, with the people of Israel that they would celebrate together every new victory. They would gather together to celebrate the victories that God had won for them. And this particular reference speaks of when they would 
um, write a new song for that victory, is to say, let us compose a new piece of music, a new song for this situation, for this victory. So you've got musicians, composers, choirs, conductors, a whole host of creatives getting together to make brand new music worthy, fitting of the occasion. I wonder if it might have looked something like this. It's a picture I found online. It's titled Worship in the Temple, but I, I quite like the, just, yeah, a whole host of, of you've got um, the choir down there, you've got people praising all sorts of instruments uh, and some sort of conductor on the cymbals, which I like. <laughs> the famous theologian and preacher Charles Spurgeon said, he is ever new, this is talking about God, he is ever new in his manifestations. His mercies are new every morning. His deliverances are new in every night of sorrow. Therefore, let your gratitude and thanksgivings be new also. So we need to ask ourselves, is our worship to God a symphony worthy of our Savior? Is it worthy of the God who holds every victory? Is our praise worthy of Jesus, who holds the ultimate victory over sin, the devil, and death itself? The end of Psalm 146 says, The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. So if the Lord's reign is forever, then he must be worthy of our praise forever. So we see this lifetime of praise, a part of this universal chorus that is singing out to God. But I really don't want you to feel daunted by this, this calling this evening, because the fantastic news is that Jesus has freed us to live this life. Psalm 150, which is the last psalm uh, in the book of the Psalms, is this rousing call to worship. It says, praise the Lord, from verse three, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with lute and harp, praise him with tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalm 150 is this wonderful call to worship. It sparks creativity. One of the things I love about this psalm is, is the breadth of instrumentation that we see. We've got tambourine and cymbals and harp together. They're very much opposite ends of the, the musical spectrum. One uh, tambourine, loud and, and clangy and not particularly tuneful, and harp, which is this wonderful, elegant, um, beautiful. I don't know if you've ever seen someone playing the harp, but it is quite a uh, spectacle to behold. Um, but I love how the psalmist is exploring these different dynamics of praise. There's different creativity in there. Quiet, loud, reverent, exuberant. I was having a, a conversation, I went around to dinner with Mike and Katie the other week, and Mike asked me, do triangle players in orchestras always have to stick on the triangle, and, and that's the only thing they play? <laughs> I don't know, I can't remember quite where it came from, but um, uh, I don't know, I alluded earlier to, to being rather musical, and I grew up um, playing in different orchestras and ensembles, um, primarily as a percussionist. Um, and the, the great thing, and one of the funnest things, um, certainly to do, but I'm sure to watch as well, is we have this whole host of, of different musical instruments. You've got xylophones, and wood blocks, and drum kit, and triangles, and tambourines, and cymbals. Um, and there's only about three or four of us in the, in the orchestra that play percussion, so we have to kind of um, choreograph this, this dance that we do around each other to try and get to the instruments that we need to get to at the right time. 
Um, but the joy of it is that we're not just confined to, to playing the triangle, as great as that is, um, but we do have this, this whole spectrum of, of creativity in front of us. Um, and so it should be when we're worshipping. We we've been freed to, to express ourselves in all kinds of different ways. Um, it really is, yeah, it's beautiful. And as Philip said two weeks ago, I really want to affirm that God isn't looking for a certain style of worship but he's really after our hearts. I wonder if you notice something in that psalm that seems a little out of place. So we've got trumpet, lute, harp, tambourine, dance, strings, pipe, and cymbals. I love the translation of the word hallel that we used earlier, it means praise. It can also mean noisy madness. <laughs> so we've got different expressions, but are you free? Dancing bodies. How many dancing bodies do we see in our meetings? I wonder tonight if God is calling us to step into something more. It might not be dance, but whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like. Maybe for you this evening, worship might be making your voice heard. Maybe it might be singing a little louder. I've certainly been in enough meetings standing next to Philip that knows that, to know that noisy madness, God loves it. God loves noisy madness. Maybe tonight you might dance for the first time. Maybe it might be as simple as lifting your hands for the first time. Whatever it is, it's an act of worship and we are free to do it. Maybe you want to kneel. I want to recommend an album to you this evening. Uh, Alive with Strings. I don't know if anyone's listened to this, um, but it's uh, an album uh, from, taken from New Day, and basically Simon Brading had uh, rearranged a couple of well-known songs to, to be uh, sung uh, in one of the evening meetings with a, an orchestra. Um, so they'd kind of recomposed, and it's really just this beautiful mix of uh, kind of rethinking of, of songs that many of us will know. Um, it really means so much to me, this album. I often have it on, but I remember um, really clearly one night, uh, about this time last year actually, I remember facing the toughest thing that I'd ever faced. I was broken, but I remember kneeling down to pray, and I don't often kneel to pray, but I remember kneeling by my bed. I was just in my room by myself, and I put this album on just on my phone. I was kneeling there, and I just let the music wash over me, and the truth of the lyrics, and it really brought me such such comfort. So, yeah, have a listen. It really will do you good. And I wonder if you can come and join me. Psalm 147, 10 and 11. It's clear that God wants us to come to him again and again. His delight, God's delight, is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. God's delight is in those that delight in him. So we bring our hearts, God, we bring our hearts tonight, but we bring everything we have. The last verse of the Psalms, 150 verse six, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The literal translation of this is let all breath praise the Lord. When Jesus was hanging there on that cross, nails the size of knives plunged through his hands and his feet. Each breath that he took 
grew harder and harder. And with his final breath, in complete agony, said, it is finished. Jesus gave his last breath so that ours can praise. Breathing isn't something that we can't do. And so too praise should fill our lives. Now I'm not there yet. I've got a lot to learn, but I know that I am called to this. And I look forward to living this lifetime full of praise. That is what I want to be known for. That's what I want my life to be about. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. And that is why we praise. Just as Ellen starts to play, we're going to worship this evening. We've got a good amount of time. It's really the only response that God is looking for. We're going to sing. Maybe you want to step out. What's God put on your heart tonight? Is it lifting your hands? Is it kneeling? Is it singing loudly? Is it dancing? I just want to finish by reading uh, the first and final verse of a wonderful song written by Isaac Watts, who is a well-known hymn writer. And it's called I'll Praise My Maker. And it really encompasses these verses that we've read this evening. Actually, shall we stand? Let's stand before we... Maybe close your eyes and feel comfortable doing that. And let these words just ignite something in your soul. I'll praise my maker while I've breath. And when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler powers. My days of prayers shall, praise shall ne'er be past while life and thought and being last, or immortality endures. He loves his saints, he knows them well, but turns the wicked down to hell. Thy God, O Zion, ever reigns. Let every tongue, let every age, in this exalted work engage. Praise him in everlasting strains. Let's worship.